Good afternoon. Welcome to Setting the Record Straight with your host, Brenda K. Sanders. Well, thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. Uh, I really do thank you. Uh, many have been out shopping today and there are a lot of people out. Uh, and so I'm, be, I'm glad to be back with you uh, this uh, Saturday afternoon. I've really uh, intentionally, deliberately kind of said I was going to take a day off for my broadcast on Saturday afternoons. However, because I had have uh, skipped a couple of days in my podcast uh, schedule because of uh, engagements, I decided to start podcasting, broadcasting this afternoon. And uh, let's see, what do I have to say? I always say that this is about me, my personal experiences uh, with government gang stalking and air stalking. And all of the things that go with it, I mean, it's a lot that goes with it. It's an organized, elaborate effort to oppress and suppress. And so that's what I intend to do with this podcast today. If you can break down, I'm going by some plastic bags. I bought this one. 
supposed to be? So I was talking about how this show, I fashioned it and designed it to uh, talk about, to discuss and reveal to the world, if you will, my experience with government gang stalking and air stalking. And that experience has never stopped. Uh, it's been going on so many years and it's never stopped. It's never stopped. It's uh, moved from one president to the next president. And it has involved such an elaborate array of, um, I mean, of people. You know, uh, the Obama. There's an article that I posted on Instagram, uh, my Instagram, Brenda K. Sanders for Congress account. talks about President Obama when he was running for office and was a presidential candidate. Starting a third party civilian military force. And, and I believe that has taken place. That has been implemented and it's carried out every day. Uh, because when you have your family members acting, acting strangely, acting against you, they're subject to the same gang stalking and air stalking that you are. And so then you get a whole society, a whole community of people uh, spying on and acting against each other. And it's simply a big it's not a divine mess it's a satanic operation and there's nobody uh, that can really escape it until someone is willing to suffer through the rigors and the harms and the hurt of government air stalking and gang stalking to reveal it to the world and then hopefully seek out or get others to seek remedies for this situation. Certainly, oh, no situation, sorry. <laughs> no situation can be resolved until it's revealed, until it's exposed. Even our own civil rights movement was not uh, recovered or instituted uh, until protests were um done and extensive complaining and extensive protesting was instituted in order to accomplish it. And so I think government gang stalking and air stalking is something we don't, we don't know about. We don't, we've never protested about it. We've never marched about it. We've never been interviewed by the news about it. It's simply something that has existed. And in, in my, uh, Experience. I'm going to say, I don't know when it started, but I know the people that are uh, heavily involved in keeping it going and enforcing it, and they've been around, you know, they're in their 60s and 70s, 
and that each president is recruited to keep it going. I am of the opinion, this is a controversial opinion, but this is some, I am someone that has been in the government gang stalking air stalking for years. And so I can pattern the behaviors and tell you what I believe. Uh, this is a movement that not of, uh, you know, for the civil rights of uh, black Americans, Afro-Americans or other uh, oppressed uh, groups. It is a movement for the gay agenda. And anyone that is not gay is subject to this agenda. And anyone that is gay and gets out of line is subject to, uh, you know, negative treatment by this same organized group for targeting um, of late, even me. And, and I'm not a gay rights proponent at all. I do not say much about it, but I am not. But even of late, the rights of even gay people to exist in this society has uh, been um, compromised. And, and I'm not a gay rights proponent. I just don't believe that people should be killed just for absolutely no reason. And, uh, you know, even this morning, I had a spiritual vision. No, it was last night, I believe. I can't remember when it was. Either last night, I posted it on my um, Vision Prophet uh, Twitter account. Uh, I had a vision of a young man. He looked relatively young. um, uh, uh, Getting into a car at a gas station, and he hesitates. He has one leg in the vehicle and one leg standing on the ground. He hesitates. He gets in. It looks like he holds his hand out to someone. And then he, he withdraws his hand back. He has his leg in. He takes his leg out. And, and it was a significant, very detailed vision of a young black man at a gas station. And so I didn't know what it meant. And then I, I was shown a metallic gray, silver, a green kind of color like the color of my vehicle I'm like wow is this about my vehicle but it turned out that this this gray metallic of the vehicle I, I, I think it's a, a description of the vehicle it's a description of a suspected vehicle that turned a darker darker gray uh, metallic and what the Lord allowed me to see was the inside of the door. You know how you open the door and you see right along the side of the door, the side of the door, you see um, the interfacing or whatever it is. And that's what the Lord allowed me to see. He allowed me to see the interfacing of the vehicle that which, in which this young man was getting into. The young man had on a plaid, like light blue powder shirt with a little streak of yellow in it. And it was it was plaid and then he had on some baggy like beige uh, uh, knee length uh, uh, jeans uh, and I'm trying to see if I recall what he had on uh, for shoes but in any event he had a low haircut and apparently this was an event that had taken place several times where maybe it was a soliciting I don't know what it was something where this young man was approached uh, several times because at the end of the vision, the guy had grown an afro, a small afro. He also had an earring in his ear. He was a brown-skinned young man. Uh, when the vision commenced, he had a short, short cut. And I could see that he had, you know, I, we call it, in the Afro-American community, if you want to be nice about it, 
curly hair, you know, hair that was difficult to manage, curly hair, I don't care where it is or what it is, it's always hard to manage, but this was tight curly hair on his head. And so that vision came to me last night after I returned home from Atlanta. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm writing about this vision, and I knew it would be significant. And I tried to capture as much detail as I could in the vision. Uh, And, you know, on this program, I try to, you know, separate my spiritual visions from my secular uh, experiences and from what I've experienced um, in my in my, my daily uh, victimization of a government gang-stalking victim. But, but this is intertwined to a degree because some of my visions, I believe, are used to solve crimes or to uh, provide leads for crimes. And I think this is one of them. And lo and behold, I knew it would be important. And I woke up this morning and I looked at my phone and found out that four homeless uh, young men had been killed. I can't recall the city killed overnight all in one night I believe and so this looks like someone that could be homeless in this vision uh he was groomed but he looks like someone that could be homeless uh he had his hand out like he was asking for money maybe or demanding money so we have a lead if that's the uh the the story with which uh you know the Lord wants me to address I'm addressing it there was a lead of that dark gray metallic vehicle uh, being involved in maybe these killings. I have no uh, reason to believe it was anything other than that because what happens is usually if I have a vision like that, then a story will pop up to confirm what the Lord is trying to say to me. And I'm saying now on this broadcast that I believe that may have been a lead for uh, to uh, solve the killer of these young men. I don't know if anyone's in custody yet, but certainly we need help. We do need supernatural help solving some of these crimes and murders. And that's part of the gang stalking, air stalking problem is that murder in, 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 in just murders is, is committed at will and no one uh, is made to really pay for it. Now, some of these shootings that I want to talk about, I, I told you that I, I posted it before. I've said there's military in the air and military on the ground. Uh, because over the years, I, I have, in my experience, seen the shootings happen in connection with uh, something I'm doing. And, 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 and I mean, it would take a very vain person to, to do that. But when you really notice and start noticing and it's so obvious then you, you have, have no, 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 uh, no choice but to pattern the conduct and, and then to pattern your uh, activities and see what the, uh, the connections are. I mean, that's what people do when they, they solve crimes, crimes when they address problems. Uh, and so I just wanted to say that because I knew that was for a reason. But on to... See, you know, this gang stalking and air stalking gets so big, it gets so vast that it affects so many people and it impacts so many people negatively. Um, As a congressional candidate for the 2nd District in South Carolina, it it is just appalling to see the for sale signs in this community 
that I have both lived in and visited for the last 40 years. Appalling to see all the for sale signs. It's appalling to see the businesses that are closed with their doors saying closed. On Saturday morning, as I went out this morning, uh, to see the businesses with their doors closed. And I can't help but connect it to this chemical warfare that's taking place in this community. I can't help but connect the for sale signs in the finest of homes, uh, in homes that people thought they were probably going to be in forever, uh, right around this area and in the Aiken community as well. And uh, I was so overjoyed to see a big, large rummage sale in Barnwell today. A big one. I mean, you know, maybe if I were in a city, I would say it covered a city block. I, I was so overjoyed to see people, to see the interaction, to see people, even in spite of the fact this is a very heavy, heavy chemical radiation day. It's so bad that I can taste it in my mouth. Uh, and it's unfortunate that this is the kind of assault that has taken place on civilians in our community. Civilians. And over what? Almost nothing. And so we have individuals in our government that either are not in control or that are sanctioning this conduct on the part of third parties or doing it themselves. Many have suffered. I know I have suffered. Um, many have suffered. I'm looking at the suffering. I'm looking at the abandonment. I'm looking at the destruction, even the destruction I faced. And, um, you know, going from uh, being on, in a home of my own <clears throat> and to, you know, having homeowner privileges and to going back to my, my house here in South Carolina. Uh, but there's something we, we, the lawmakers, need to address in Congress. They need, uh, I believe, to, uh, to hold hearings on what's going on in our community, to have witnesses like myself and others who have witnessed it. I know others have witnessed it as I have campaigned. I've, I've noticed people that noticed. I noticed that the for sale signs came after the people had knowledge about what was going on. And I noticed about the, maybe the, the elderly that may be affected by this and no one knows why um, even when I visited Atlanta last yesterday it was just a rash of events to intimidate and to uh, discourage my being in Atlanta my sister was with me uh, as we were riding down the expressway to Atlanta that we were on uh, I think uh, I Twenty going west into Atlanta, maybe about 30 miles outside of Atlanta, a young, uh, I, I say it was a guy, came up on a motorcycle. He was weaving in and out of traffic. He had on a very scary mask, and he had on a Nazi hat that the Nazis wear. And he was weaving in and out of traffic on his motorcycle. And he came up behind us. I know it was an attempt to intimidate and scare us, uh, my sister was concerned and pulled off of the expressway. And then I asked her, what, what happened? Because I could only see the back, his back. I could not see his mask uh, and what he had on. She said a guy had on a very scary mask. She described it. And I said, oh, wow, that's what the Lord has been telling me about motorcycles 
in this last day and time are going to be used as vehicles for domestic terrorism. I, I put it on my Vision Profit Twitter account uh, because we have to be aware of these things. We have to be aware of uh, weapons that are used against us. And I'm sure some of the other motors were uh, challenged by this person going in and out of traffic with this very scary mask, wearing this very scary mask. And uh, so what I want to say is, you want to go in and the other idiot shit. young little baby go ahead honey oh so anyway I'm sure these people were concerned in, in going into Atlanta what was going on uh, with this guy in a motorcycle but we have to be aware and conscientious about domestic terrorism because we're going into that day where it's commonplace the shootings have become commonplace and we will have to learn where and why and I have I believe I've gone into the shootings but uh, what I'm going to do maybe on the next broadcast is talk about the shootings and what I know about the shootings and how maybe we can anticipate some of this conduct because it's patterned there is a pattern to it there's a habit to um, government gang stalking and air stalking And so that way, we can address it, we can avoid it, we can maybe prevent some of the the lives that have been lost because of it. It's far worse than the civil rights movement. It's far more lethal than the civil rights movement. It is something I think that we didn't know about. I certainly didn't know about it, but I can see I can see the remnants of it from years and years back. And now that it's out in the open, everyone can see what it's about. But I wanted to say about the for sale signs and the closing of businesses is that what I would like to do is advocate for a bill maybe making Aiken and Barnwell an apartment, an empowerment zone. And what I know about empowerment zones is from, I'm from Detroit, and certain um, dilapidated neighborhoods in Detroit were deemed empowerment zones so that special federal dollars could come in and build up those areas and attract businesses and attract residents and incentivize those that normally wouldn't go to those areas with, you know, housing or uh, you know, whatever the businesses were. And so I know about empowerment zones. And I, I, I suggest that even in the area where I live now because there is already uh, the signs of community that has been negatively impacted by activities that have been going on by our military. Nobody wants to wake up and discover that they're, they're, they're smelling and inhaling chemicals and chemicals on their TV and laptop and phone. They're hailing chemicals on their way to work. They're inhaling chemicals as they walk their dog every day. And that's what I've experienced. 
I was at a park this morning with my dog, you know, and there were a bunch of little children out there with their parents. Um, and these chemicals are very strong this morning. And so many, many are suffering. Many may not know what's going on. They may not notice, but they certainly know something is going on. The grocery store that I visited this afternoon is absolutely, uh, I mean, just horrible. Uh, They are going up so much on the prices that it just almost seems illegal. Uh, They're probably going to price themselves out of business uh, when it's all over with because I think people are going to just take those dollars and go to another community and shop and grocery shop. I certainly am when, uh, you know, having uh, noticed what's going on. Who's going to get control of these people that are out of control? Lawmakers, the president, the White House, uh, prosecutors, the Department of Justice. And if they do their job, I'm convinced that this government gang stalking will cease. I would like to sponsor a bill or see someone else sponsor a bill where if there is military gang stalking and it's documented, no question about it, that these people go to jail and that it be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I, I would. And, and so, however, uh, it, it has taken place that it would be now targeted just as the civilians that it operates against are targeted, are targeted, and that those individuals will be prosecuted and spare, spare us. Uh, in the community, you cannot, you cannot, and should not be able to enforce gay rights that way. Civil rights were certainly not enforced that way. The, 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 the uh, you know, the civil rights of the movement of the '60s that began in the late, early '60s, late '50s. You can't enforce rights that way, and so everybody's rights are violated, and they don't even know what's going on. But uh, certainly. Uh, the gay agenda has 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 gained momentum, and they have gotten their rights legally. I don't feel that it's fair to use violence to um, glean more rights for the gay movement. It's simply a violation of everybody else's rights, and no group's rights should be superior to the other. We've focused a lot on the immigrants, and but we're not focusing, focusing a, a lot um, on domestic policy and the things that are really taking place in our communities that are really taking place with. I mean, I have not even talked about that Amber Geyer story and that judge. I'm going to have to save that maybe for Monday. I have just been uh, aghast at how improper she conducted herself. Um, I will say this, that when I was a judge, I, I ruled on a case. Courtroom would be full of people. Full of people. Two sides to every story, of course. I would uh, stand up and adjourn myself to my chambers without discussing or giving any comment to my decision. And it's so improper uh, for that judge to do that. Um, I understand she hugged both sides, but the, the problem is she hugged. That's not your job. You're not the social worker. You're not the psychiatrist. Uh, as a, a trial lawyer, 
I hugged my clients. Okay, it'll be okay, whatever it was. And even in victory. But for a judge to come down from her bench and engage in that kind of behavior, let me tell you now, it is unbelievably uh, corrupt. One reason is she allowed herself to engage these litigants and, 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 and you lost the appearance of imp- uh, impartiality because if any post-trial motions come up before the court, I, I'd been uh, involved in uh, post-trial motions such as motions to set aside um, uh, a judgment of a jury verdict and, and enter something notwithstanding the jury verdict. I've been in those kinds of cases. And so anything could come up after the jury's verdict. The jury's verdict is just one part of the litigation. It certainly is not finally concluded. Now, it's never really finally concluded because someone else can always file a motion to set aside the jury's verdict and come up with some after-discovered evidence like, you know, the jury uh, considered illegal evidence or uh, maybe they were sequestered for a time and then maybe they... Uh, you know, looked at TV or did something or considered an improper source uh, to consult regarding their verdict. See, so anything could have hap- could happen. And so I think a judge should uh, take great steps to maintain impartiality, the appearance of impartial- impartiality, even after following a jury verdict, because uh, the case at that point is... Uh, at a conclusion but not really (laughs) considering and a case of that magnitude a case uh with that kind of uh, media volume uh is subject to be you know the jury verdict is subject to be challenged even though this young woman only is facing five to ten years and that's even more of a reason why post-trial motions might be entertained in the in the in the uh amber guyer case I was uh, particularly impressed with the evidence of the doormat, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb. And, uh, I mean, this police officer is supposed to be a trained, observant witness. A trained, observant witness. A witness is trained to be observant. And when you look down at that doormat, you had to know something was wrong. You had to discover that you were in the wrong place. I think the doormat gave it away. And so those are the things we look for in trial. I mean, I I thought her testimony was incredible in that regard that you did not know this was not your apartment. But that's just the take of Brenda K. Sanders on uh, setting the record straight uh, about uh, that case. Uh, And sometimes I'll I'll comment on uh, current news events like that case. I believe the verdict was proper. And I believe that the punishment was improper for a cold-blooded killer. Uh, This woman, I understand, had filed complaints against him or maybe lodged complaints against her, him, this uh, victim, uh, for noise or something. And so maybe she had the motive. A lot of times in killings, at least these days, there's no motive in killing. But for her particular case, maybe that was a reason. Uh, That was the motive behind it or just, you know, again, um, situationally, uh, I think the young man was single. I I, I know he was a Christian in church, praise and worship leader. That may have given uh, a clue 
as to why she was uh, stalking and actually entering his apartment. I don't know if that guy kept his door open. My goodness. I think we learned something about keeping the door open uh, in our apartment buildings now. I think we learned a lesson about that. Maybe she knew this doorknob. Uh, she knew this man's... What made her go there in the first place? Did she knock? Um, and maybe she knocked, he opened the door. But maybe that's what happened. He knocked. She knocked and he opened the door. Uh, but definitely suspicious behavior and behavior behavior to me evidencing um, uh, a premeditated uh, deliberate killing well that's my take on it and uh, that's what this program is for setting the record straight and so uh, I thank you for uh, really tuning into this broadcast maybe you get to hear another opinion other than the organized media the organized uh, uh, you know, take or view of this case. Uh, maybe I provide a view as a trained witness as well, professional witness of legal events like that about what might be going on. And that view might be different than what they're saying on uh, the TV, organized media. So I thank you for tuning into the broadcast this Saturday afternoon. Certainly suffering somewhat from the radiation that I'm dealing with on this phone today uh, I'm having to do this broadcast outside where the radiation hopefully will straight up into the air rather than to my lungs but my voice is certainly impacted by the radiation today well again thank you for tuning in to setting the record straight with Brenda K Sanders for today Saturday uh, October what is it the 5th October 5th my mind October 5th, 2019. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And have a great afternoon.